0: I'm Tracy Balash, and this is Learn to Fly. I am grateful every day for the outstanding women in my life. They seem to share common attributes, passion, strength, integrity, compassion, empathy, intelligence, and a willingness to be vulnerable. Kim Armstrong is all of these and more. I first met Kim when we worked together for the government of Alberta. Kim served in the positions of deputy secretary to cabinet and deputy clerk of executive council. She was deputy attorney general, deputy minister for the status of women, founder of the grassroots movement Women in Leadership, and deputy minister of seniors and housing. Just over a year ago, Kim joined the city of Edmonton as deputy chief of employee relations. As you'll Here, Kim is an absolute delight and a gift to those who know her. Here's my conversation with Kim Armstrong on leadership, feminism, and women helping women. So when I knew that I was coming here to interview you, I thought, oh my gosh, like... How many different topics we could cover? We've we've had so many incredible conversations, you know, about leadership, about being a woman um, in the workforce, and um, the trials and tribulations. E- exactly, yes. exactly. So I'm sure we could talk for hours, but I wanted to focus maybe on just a couple of pieces, and and one is your uh, thoughts on values-based leadership. What does that mean to you? So
1: a couple of things. One. I believe that it connects into integrity and I recently heard a podcast with Brené Brown, um, wherein she defined integrity, which is something it's a, it's a sentence or it's a word story that's used a lot and not defined often. For me, integrity means being integral. Integral means being whole. And if I can follow that train of thought, being whole means that I have a set of values that I define them to people around me, and I define the behaviors that underlie the values. So it's fine to say something like my values are, and I'll say what they are, courage, authenticity, humility, and resilience. But courage may mean something different to you than me. Mm -hmm. And it's important to me that folks who work around me in any capacity can say, when Kim says courage, this is what she means. These are the behaviors that she's prepared to be accountable for and to that underlie that value. So if I say humility is a value of mine and I walk around in a state of mind where I'm not listening to understand what you're saying. I'm just listening to figure out what I'm gonna say in response. I'm not living that value of humility. I also love the fact that everybody is gonna have a unique set of leadership values. And when I've done exercises in intensive women and in leadership training programs, I'm always amazed that you have 20 women in a room, and I've never seen the same set of values for any two women. Um, and so it really does help us better understand ourselves, help us be more accountable to those around us, and help us find some, if I can say this, that idea of a northern light or a light that will guide us in our behaviors and
0: interactions. I love that. Humility is actually one of my values as well. And I wanted to explore that a little bit more with you because I think that um, obviously there are times, there are decisions that we make during the course of our career where we sometimes are not aligned with our values. And I think about ego. And the biggest mistakes that I've made in terms of career choices is when humility went out the window and I did something based on ego. Have you experienced anything like that? Maybe not with humility, but one of the other values that was compromised that, that kind of cemented that fact that no, I need to live by this? Oh,
1: yeah. So, okay. Very much so. I have seen people choose values that are uh, attributes that they have been naturally good at since they were very young and have guided them in the course of their life. I chose mine the opposite way. Every single one of my values represents something I have to remind myself of on a daily basis. So my values are things that do not come naturally to me. Humility is a perfect example, Tracy. I was raised up in a culture where you were supposed to be the person who knew knew the most in the room if you were the leader. You had to demonstrate knowledge. You had to demonstrate capacity and competence. I call it heroic leadership. Um, And I believe that was true. And for me, living that out is the opposite of humility, because it's it's humility, the fundamental premise behind humility for me is that what you don't know is far more important than what you know. What you don't know is far more important than what you know. And so humility is the, is the journey, every moment of your life, of figuring out what you don't know. What does Tracy know? What does she know? What does he know? For me, a good part of my life, I, I didn't focus on that at all. I focused on knowing more than anyone else. What changed? Uh, it You know what? It was feedback. It was feedback from people who cared about me and were willing to say, Kim, you are like a speedboat in a meeting, (laughs) like you leaving a wake behind you. You get in the meeting, you sit down at the table, okay, we have five things to accomplish, A, B, C, D, E, let's get it done, okay, great, results, tick, moving on. And uh, it was people in my life who said, Kim, you know what, people don't feel heard. When, when you're chairing a meeting, people don't feel heard, they don't feel that you're actually listening to them. Uh, they feel like you have an agenda and you're driving that agenda without um, actually deeply involving other people in the work. And when I heard that for the first time, I was both blown away by that, I was devastated, And it took me all of five seconds to realize it was totally true. It was a humbling moment in my life and uh, it really impacted me. And it made me realize, uh, firstly, I don't wanna be viewed that way. So that was the the first thing. And as time passed, the second biggest biggest leap or the bigger leap was the recognition that other people have really relevant things to offer. And everybody's lived experience has to be understood and leveraged to solve complex problems so my beautiful i guess unfurling in that way was the recognition that everybody has a gift to offer everybody has insight everybody has lived a different life and we need to understand all of that myriad of beautiful experience in order to be able to solve the kinds of challenges that
0: face us right now You need to allow yourself to be vulnerable. I I find that to be so essential in, in strong leadership. You need to be willing to hear that feedback and to say, hey, I can do better. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Instead of shutting down, right. getting defensive,
1: mm-hmm. um, going into that anxious place. I mean, it is, you do have a physiological reaction. Of and course. I think you just acknowledge that. Um, my my um, mantra that I've come up with around this this exact um, issue is when something happens that triggers me, that activates me, that upsets me, that angers me, I first go to attune, which means I try to go intuitive, like what's really happening here. I try to take a moment to go intuitive, take some deep breaths. The second thing is accept. So attune and then accept and accept is this happened, right? You just gave me this feedback, this happened. So accept is a place of grace. And it's a place of openness. And then act is the third. And so now that I have tuned into what's happening around me, I accept that this has happened. What is the wisest action? What is the best Kim Armstrong going to do in this circumstance? Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's stop don't say a word, don't send an email, don't do anything, reflect, take some time, you know, and I have found when I use this attune, accept, act, process, my decisions are like 100% better decisions and I have fewer wince moments. Right.
0: Right. Where you're going, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. That was just not okay. I think you and I have very similar personalities in that respect, um, very blunt. Um, people can certainly tell by, you know, even the looks on our faces where we're at with things. And, 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 that, and that's been a real struggle for me to to learn how to just don't react. Don't just take away, take it away and think about it for a bit. Um, uh, uh, One of my yoga teachers named
1: April talked to me about the difference between reacting and responding. And the first time she said it, I didn't even understand it. That's just how far removed I was from the concept. Mm -hmm. But as time passed, I, I started to realize, yeah, reacting is instinctual, it's quick, it's in the moment, it's trigger. Responding is, hmm okay, you know, what, what is the next best thing for me to do here with our children too? Like is not this, um, process, if I can call it that helps me at home too. When my 15 year old boy, says or does something, I mean, I th- sometimes I think his purpose in the world is to teach me this lesson <laughs> right of moving from reactivity mm-hmm, to responsiveness, mm-hmm. because then it's like, okay, wait a second, if I get mad at you, if I yell, if I get all upset with you, how is that helping advance what 's just happened right so when I can catch myself, take some deep breaths, which is we know this now from a from a neurological perspective. Um, or neuroscientific perspective. Taking those deep breaths helps you rebalance your nervous system and then move into a better uh, choice, a better um, response.
0: You, you talked about neuroscience. Um, and, and I often wonder if this is where that you know 24-hour rule comes from because they talk about when you are in your primitive brain, your amygdala, how you have that fight-flight response. And that's often where we're at when we're confronted with something that we we don't want to hear, right? Um, and the cortisol then is released, the stress hormone that has a 26-hour shelf life in our brains. So I must think that that 24 hour rule really does apply in those kind of situations to just, okay, I'm not gonna send that email. I'm not gonna respond to this. I need to think about it at least for 24 hours.
1: Yeah, and and in those, yes, I totally agree with you, Tracy. And in those circumstances where you don't have the luxury of 24 hours, deep breaths, and taking as much time as you can is the next right. best thing, yeah. right? Um, even if it's 10 minutes, you know, rather than re- reacting. I sometimes think of it like there's a marionette on a stage and you're you're just being, the strings are going and you're going, as opposed to being in the audience watching the play. And trying to move yourself from being on the stage to being in the audience. Even if it's just a mental picture where you say to yourself, oh, okay, I need to put myself in the audience and watch this play out. I think there's tricks we can use or tools we can use to help ourselves in these moments. Um, One being, as you articulated, the longer you can wait, the better. Mm -hmm. Seeking advice and guidance from other people, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm a really big believer that in any healthy workplace, Aside from formal mentoring relationships, you have a culture of mentoring. So I always say people should have 10, 20, 30 mentors. A mentor in this way is someone you can go to and say, I got this email, I'm so upset over it. Let's talk it through. You know, what are your thoughts? Am I overreacting? How would you handle this? It's someone you can go to to talk through a difficult situation. And the reason why I think multiple mentors is so important, is they're each going to give you a different view. Mm-hmm. You're going to suggest one thing to me, and she'll suggest something else. And somewhere in there, I find my way. I, With that plethora of different pieces of advice and guidance, I will find my own way. Um, but but, I, but that, that opportunity to talk it through and listen to other people's perspective and their experience is so valuable.
0: You know, and I think as, as women, um, because I know a lot of the work that you're doing right now at the city of Edmonton is, a, is around diversity and, and unconscious bias. And and I think that, I don't know, women um, bring something to the table because we are more thoughtful about these types of things, Um women has always been um, you know uh, a focus of yours whether it was you know the women in leadership um, movement that you started in the government of alberta um, you know you, the judy project where does that come from where does that passion for for helping develop other women and helping them see their full potential you know the the roots of it
1: i really trace it back to my time at queen's university so I'm, I'm a student on the campus at Queen's University, and, um, and a No Means No campaign is part of the first month of uh, being on campus, and it's uh, to raise awareness about date rape, to put it in pretty simple terms. And I was walking across the quad one day, which is like an open field on campus, and I look up, and there's a dorm residence, And there were all these signs that were in the windows. No means she's a dyke. No means she's on the rag. No means tie her up. And it went on and on. And they were brutal. They were violent. Uh, And they shocked me, like to my core. I'm like, whoa, I'm a woman on this campus. And that's in public view on my campus. I was quite horrified by it. And myself and a bunch of other women um, on the campus started to, you know, write letters and talk about this and try to get conversation going. Um, At the same time, there was a, um, I don't even know what word to use to describe this, but the engineering students on campus had effigies of nurses, like mannequins, they would hang from different places on campus as part of their frosh week. There was a speed bump on campus that was painted yellow and called the golden tit. And one of the frosh activities was the engineering frosh had to kiss the golden tit. It was a speed bump, right? So this is 19, I don't know, 89 or so, right? Somewhere in that time frame. And all of this was happening at the same time in my life. And I went, I'm paying a lot of money to go to this university. Um, I'm working part-time to support myself. I'm on student loans. Like, I'm doing this on my own dime completely. And I have to be subjected to this. It just, it just turned something for me in my life. And a group of us women actually did a sit-in at the president of Queen's University's office. We occupied his office for, I think it was 24 hours. Because the university administration was not effectively dealing with this and there was it just ignited me tracy it changed things for me i i I joined a sexual assault crisis center it's called the kingston sexual assault crisis center as a a volunteer and i started to uh, staff the phone lines um you know i was one of a group of people who responded to calls from women who'd been assaulted and i just and i continued that work when i moved to toronto and went to law school i was arrested in a civil disobedience action in March of 1990 in Toronto called Broads on Bay Street which was we blocked an intersection of Bay and King in protest on International Women's Day of abuse and violence against women and it really just opened up a part of me I didn't even know existed and I really felt activated at that time and so fast forward I go to law school right I took my nose ring out had kids and sort of settled into into that life of working and paying off my loans and got married and you know did some of those things and the the activism in me was quietened is the best word for it I had other things going on in my life and so there was a period of time where I didn't really focus on it and it wasn't front and center in my mind and then One day I was in the ledge building where you and I worked together, and um, I was in my little office there, and two women came to see me, and I didn't even know them. They just said, hey, can we come talk to you about women in leadership? Sure, of course, right? And so the three of us started talking and decided to put on a screening of... um, was not this miss, uh, misrepresentation? Misrepresentation, thanks yes. Tracy. I've had a, had a mental <laughs> No, play. no, no, that's fine. I had a 50-year-old moment. <laughs> I um, know all about yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, misrepresentation. So we did it at the um, then Provincial Museum's Auditorium and we invited a bunch of women and it was like sold out. And we had a panel and then from there, the Women in Leadership movement started at um, Government of Alberta and it just opened it up for me again, it was like, okay, now I've, you know, my boys are a little bit older now, and I'm in a job, and I'm good, and now I really want to turn back to this. And after that, I never looked back. It's been my guiding and driving force in my life since uh, since that summer,
0: which is probably seven years ago now. Isn't it amazing, though, that we're so often oblivious to what we mean to other women Mm -hmm. as role models um uh, you know i I too have had when i worked in government had women you know young women that would come up to me and say you know i i I really value your leadership style i admire it if there's ever an opportunity to work with you you know i would love to be able to do that and you know your meantime you're just going about you know doing what you do right being being yourself um But that, so it goes back to that values leadership, right? When you live those values, people take note of it. You walk in the talk. And those women
1: that approached you, Tracy, they felt and saw in you a warmth, a compassion. Uh, That you're the kind of woman who will support other women, that you will offer a hand, that that you will listen to them, that they matter to you. Bottom line, that they matter to you because they would not be approaching you Mm -hmm. if that was not the
0: kind of person that you are and you know sadly there there are women who don't help other women right yeah and you know, i remember a long time ago somebody saying well you know women haven't had the benefit of the old boys network right they've sort of stepped on each other to get ahead and i i really hope that that's starting to change I, and i think it is
1: yeah i, I have great I, I feel like i have great compassion and generosity in my heart for women who don't support and take care of and feel uh, love for other women. I feel like they're missing out on this tremendous uh, experience in life that's so beautiful and so empowering. Um, And whatever messages they received along the way, they listened to, you know, and somehow there was that crucible of messaging around um being ahead or getting ahead and how to do it and you got to be the only woman in the room um combined with who knows what uh in their life that led them to that what I believe is lonely place that's my my belief Mm -hmm. because when I think about how much joy pure joy comes from the experience of talking to a younger woman or a woman my age or a woman older than me, for example, about how to negotiate a starting salary. And then two weeks later, I get an email saying, I did it, you know, I, I you know, got another whatever thousand dollars that, that to me, that's like, what's worth living for, right? Right. Or can you talk me through a difficult situation with a horrible boss and you spend time with that woman. And then, you know, a month or two later, you get that note in, you know, a card or a note or a phone call saying, you know, I worked my way through this and I'm on the other side now. And I'm so happy to be where I am. And again, like pure joy. Mm -hmm. And for those women who aren't, doing what you and I are doing and making it a practice and part of our lives to offer that support, they're missing out on that joy. It's true. So I I feel, like I said, I feel sad for them and and I'm so glad that people like you and I and so many other women and men, yes. you know, there's lots of male colleagues who I think part of the language that's used today is allies but who are super invested in supporting and developing women leaders right and Mm -hmm. see the value of diversity and understand how important it is to have different perspectives at the table right yeah you're absolutely right and i'm
0: glad that you mentioned that they're part of our community give them a shout out yeah absolutely yeah yeah you know kim i could go on forever with you because you know we're both so passionate about these topics and you know the one thing what I do want to say to you is, you know, you had moved to this position here as, um, for, for uh, the Deputy City Manager of Employee Services and, and, and a huge task ahead of you, and uh, yet the, the reward will be so great and I can't think of a better person to have in this position than you. Um, I just think you are tremendous. You are one of those individuals who um, is part of my circle and you inspire me. And I just want to thank you for doing this today.
1: Well, thank you so much, Tracy. And I feel privileged to have you as a part of my life as well. I've known you for a lot of years, and we've been through a lot together and what i love about what i'm seeing with you doing this podcast and the coaching and the facilitation that you do is that you are reinventing yourself and you're continuing to reinvent yourself and so there is no part of you that's like i'm done or i'm finished you see life as a journey of learning and and development and growth and you sort of spread that to to everyone who has the opportunity to engage with you so i appreciate Uh, your presence in my
0: life as well. Thank you. I'm Tracy Balash, founder of Brave Bird Studio and host of Learn to Fly. If you have any questions about this episode or would like more information on the services my company provides around coaching, leadership, and team building, email me at tracy at com. Thanks for listening.